I'm Felina. And I'm Summer. And you are listening to Broke and Broken. <laughs> because we're both. The podcast about living your best life by getting real. Hey, broken people. This is Summer. Um, Felina's still out on sabbatical, so Carmen's helping me out for a few minutes. As we mentioned in the last episode, we, of course, we talk about missing and murdered indigenous women a lot on the show. And as we mentioned, we had planned to do a show highlighting a particular case the case of Aubrey Dameron, who is a Cherokee woman who has been missing since March. And Carmen was gracious enough to um, put her journalism hat on and interview a couple family members and with the intent that we would, you know, take a few sound bites and condense it into one show. But on the playback and listening to the family talk about Aubrey, and her life and who she is and all of that it seemed a shame to take just a few snippets and instead we decided to expand it into a series and just let them tell Aubrey's story Um, we think it's very important for people to understand Aubrey's story um, to understand how important it is that she be brought back to her family. Um, she's been missing since March without her medication. So even if foul play wasn't an issue from the beginning, you know, being without her necessary medication makes her an endangered person. Um, and, you know, we also kind of cover the topic of the concept of high risk, which we need to do away with and instead consider those cases high priority because people matter. Their lives matter. And just please listen to Aubrey's family. And if you have any information about Aubrey, please contact the authorities. The Cherokee Nation Marshals can be called at 918-207-3800. Please, it's so important that Aubrey be back to her family. This is Carmen Marie Richardville on the phone with Pam Smith. Pam, could you state your relationship to the missing? Uh, I'm Aubrey's aunt. You're Aubrey's aunt. Are you, by that rationale, you would be Jennifer and Christian's sister? Yes. All right. Um, all right. Well, let's start out. What do you remember about Aubrey's last few weeks before her disappearance? Not a whole lot. She used to message me often on Facebook. Um, you know, she'd always send a waving hand and say, hey, Aunt Pam, I love you, and ask how my kids were doing. And... You know, I hadn't heard from her. I couldn't tell you the exact date that I actually heard from her on Facebook. Because um, I clean my messages out, you know, so many came through. But um, the last time I actually spoke to her um, was, I want to say, in November. Um, and she was contacting me to give me a message from another family member uh, that didn't have my number. So, um, but during that conversation, she... You know, briefly, um, we talked on what brought her back from New Mexico. And uh, she said it just it wasn't working out. And then she told me that um, J.C. was abusive uh, mentally, physically, verbally. And that she was scared. And she felt, because um, when she went out there, J.C. took her to Colorado and had her boot. Uh, done right. and so she um, said started crying 
and she said she felt obligated to go back because, you know, everything he's done for her. Right. And I said, honey, I said, it's not love when somebody, you know, mistreats you. I said that you can't, you can't, you don't need to go back. Don't feel like you have to go back because you don't, you have options. Right. I said, and somebody that treats you like crap like that does not, that's not love, honey. That is not love. And um, she told me, she said, well, he told me that if I ever left him, that he would kill me. I said, oh, shorty. I said, no, you don't need to be going back. Has, have you spoken to the boyfriend since then, or has he returned any calls or anything if you had any trial for contact? Um, after I found out uh, Aubrey was missing, I reached out to him to see if maybe she went there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said that he hadn't seen her. Then um, he went on to tell me that, started sending me screenshots, and he said that Brittany, who was t- uh, Aubrey's friend, told him that she had been missing since March 11th. He said she told me this was um, last Monday. He said that's a week and a half. And he sent, started sending screenshots, and then he told me about this lady named Dee Robotham, and I don't know her. Uh, I've never met her that I can recall. But he said that um, Dee had told J.C. him that um, Shorty was being held against uh, her will for drug money owed and asked J.C. to send her money for release. So he implied that Shorty had asked him to, stint, to send her money? No, that this D. Robotham had asked him to send money for okay. Shorty's release. Okay, so there was what we call a drug debt owed, and they were taking her as collateral and or as a, a kidnapping victim. Yes. Right, to, get, to be able to keep her as collateral, to get the money, and in those situations in... A lot of the time, it's it's not, you know, I've been saying that they don't feed them cookies. It's not a good situation. So that was a threat that was made, and you yes. all heard wind of it. All right. I just want yes. to make sure those things get a little bit cleared up. What is your message to the lawmakers and the law enforcers for this current case and cases that come after it involving the idea of high-risk lifestyles? Um, to, I, I, I say to law enforcement, it doesn't matter a person's lifestyle. It doesn't matter their age, race. You know, religion, their wealth status, it, it, that shouldn't matter. Every human should be searched for immediately and not take two weeks to finally realize this is an actual missing person. Right. You know, they, like law enforcement, didn't do anything for the first, basically first two weeks that Aubrey was reported missing. What was said to you in those first two weeks? I'm sorry, what was what? What was said to you by the law enforcement in those first two weeks? Um, we didn't, Christian and I did not find out until March 16th. Okay. And we were, we were not even advised by family. We were notified by a friend of mine, uh, by a Facebook. She asked me if Shorty was missing. I said, not that I'm aware of why. And so she sends me a screenshot that one of uh, Shorty's friends in Grove were sharing that she was mm-hmm. missing. So I reached out to the girl and then I called Grove Police Department immediately. And they said they did not have anything on it, but to advise me to call Delaware County Sheriff's Office. And I did. And for our listeners, Grove is in Delaware County. Yes. Okay. But uh, Aubrey, Aubrey's resident is outside of uh, Grove City limits, so that's why Grove did not have anything on her case. Um, she lives out in the county. Mm-hmm. So I spoke with, um, I called Delaware County, and they confirmed that, yes, there was a case that was filed. And I said, okay, who was she last seen with? Well, she, you know, where was she going? You know, who? And uh, the dispatcher asked my relationship, uh, what my relation was to Aubrey. And I said, I'm her aunt, and that Jennifer's my sister. So she gave me a number to call Jennifer. She said, your sister can give you all the details. Mm -hmm. So I called her, and she told me, you know, that 
Aubrey left about 3.30 on the morning uh, of March 9th, and she told me what she was wearing and that she had her phone with her, and that was all. They did not know who she was meeting. She just said that she was going to meet someone. They said there was no cars out there, and she just walked out and vanished. Virtually into the darkness. Yeah. Wow. May I ask you on a personal level, do you believe this? Does this sound plausible in your mind with the parties known and the things that you were told? Does it sound like a situation you could see being normal? What I've heard is that she left only with her phone and her clothes at 3.30 in the morning. Would this be, quote unquote, what she would say that even for Aubrey's life at the moment was normal? Um, I don't, I can't answer that because I don't know what she was doing. Um, right. Back to the, the conversation that we had in November, she told me that she was trying to stay away from because she knows that we all know that her mom and brother, you know, do drugs. And she was, was doing her best to try and uh, find people who were better influenced mm -hmm. and not do what they were doing. And I said, well, good for you. I said, you know, I said, you can do it. I said, just, you know, you've got to hang around somebody that that's a good influence on you. That's not going to tempt you with, with drugs or anything like that. And uh, she said, I know it, Pam. I'm trying. I'm trying. It's really hard. I said, I know, honey. It is. I know. Right. I said, but you can do it. You know, said, you, you're strong-willed. And she was strong-willed, you say. She would never have walked away from family. I think people need to be more interested in the idea that it's not a person that ran away, walked away, right. said, pardon, but screw this. I'm done. I'm going to start over in Kansas or whatever right. you want to say. Yeah, that's not, no, that is not her. And that's what I, I can't say that enough, you know, because we've had so many people say, well, maybe she just took a break from life, you know, no. <laughs> pardon she the laugh. Yeah, no, I, I know I get it. This is not, we know this is not what she would do. She would never, and, and I did say, you know, even if she was mad at her mom, because I asked her mom, I said, what happened that evening? What, you know, was there a party? You know, did somebody get, the, was she mad at somebody? Was she mad at you? You know, what, what made her want to leave at that hour? She goes, I don't know. She just, she left. And I was like, so was that like normal for her? You know, she was, you know, to me, she, she leaves whenever she wants, you know, she's an adult. And I said, well, yeah, I understand that. I get it. Right. But for her to leave and go, you know, start living her best life without mm. being in contact that no, that's not her. That Absolutely. is not her. Absolutely. I think that's important for people to know. And we need to continue um, in the native American community to, explain our family's significance and if we are close to our family we stay close to our family and the family we stay close to we want to make sure that unfortunately in our lives that's become a part of even our friendship how are you doing pam you feeling okay today we check in with each other we make sure that we you know copy and paste yeah. that that darn it's fortunate we have it it's unfortunate we have to have it but um you yeah, know, the story exactly. that says I, I will never leave my family willingly. I will never walk away from my home. Um, all the Native girls out there probably know what I'm talking about on Facebook, that you just have to put out a statement that says I would never walk away from this. I would never just, you know, go away and not talk to my family. Yeah. Pam. Pam. She, and that, that's why I said, you know, even if she was mad with her and her mom or brother, you know, or whoever she lived with there, all the people up there, uh, she would still be in contact with my mom. Okay. My mom has not heard from her because that's her nanny, and they're very close. Tell me about her and her nanny's relationship. I think her nanny, she trusts more than anybody, well, besides Christian. You know, they right. they were very close growing mm -hmm. up. Um, but yeah, she's she always trusted my mom, and my mom adores her, and that's that's her baby, her grandbaby. They were they were pretty close. You know, my mom 
um, just like Jennifer said, her purse was at home. Like, why is her purse at home? So she left her purse. Yes. Which is very yeah, unlike her, you or me, or any other people we know. Right. That's where we say, you know, so we thought, and then everybody else says, who leaves their purse? You know, females, we don't leave our purse. My, my purse is within my arm's reach of myself because my mother taught me that too. Yeah. <laughs> I just, just saying in, in our, in our society, and I, I don't know that the people outside of the Indian in Oklahoma community or in native community in general, especially women realize the levels of safety we have to live under because of these threats and the idea that if we do have anything happen to us, we could end up in the same situation Shorty's in at the moment and, you know, make sure I have my ID on me, make sure I have. And it's it's just these checklists that we're having to go through and not just saying it's not fair, saying that we need to do something about it. Right. As far as the lawmakers go, what would you say that do you have you thought through with anything? I know you don't have a lot of time to think and I know you're spending a lot of restless nights and you're putting every moment you have into this campaign. Um, but what would you say to the people that make the laws? Is there even any talk of what you think could be done that could prevent things like this? Um, to prevent it? I, what about the I, idea? Oh, go ahead. I haven't thought about how, how they could prevent it, to be honest with you. Right. Um, I mean, unless they're going to be, they're holding our hands, you know, 24-7. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I don't, I can't think of it a way yet. I, I just haven't thought about it. Um, how do you feel about the gendering, and pardon that not being a word, but the idea of gendering a person in their missing photo? A, people, a lot of people have suggested putting photos of her, quote-unquote, as Austin, as her dead name. In the trans community, I don't know that everyone knows that, and we'll talk about it during the podcast, that the name that you, quote-unquote, retire is known as your dead name for a reason. You aren't going to use that anymore. You aren't going to live as that anymore. And why someone would... It would be absurd, in, in my opinion... Um, from the trans community that you would fight all your life or the amount of time she had to be who you are and be as proud of your name as you are and then just all of a sudden decide to go back. Right. I think and that, would, that that really angers me because Shorty shot, uh, fought her entire life to be who she is today. I mean, she went through so much uh, being ridiculed, bullied, um, you know, look down on people, just, they were mean to her, mean. Do you care to share any about that? Take your time, Pam. There was was plenty of times that, you know, she would talk about, or somebody would bring up, um, you know, somebody doing something to her being mean, and it would make me angry, and I would say, you know, who is this, and (laughs) and she would say, it's okay, Pam. You know, don't worry about it. I'm okay. I was like, no, you shouldn't have to say that. You shouldn't have to think that or, you know, feel any, feel, feel indifferent in any way. You know, you are who you are. And uh, she said, it's okay, Aunt Pam. I'll just keep praying for him. Wow. Um, we, we heard from a lady that she worked with uh, there at Walmart and Grove. And she shared a story of one time that she said the people that, that Aubrey and her worked with were mean to Aubrey there. And uh, she said they would tell Aubrey, send her outside to sweep up and pick up cigarette butts while they stayed inside where it was cool or warm and worked. Right. And she said Aubrey would go just do her job and was just thankful, you know. Pam, I appreciate you sharing that side of her life that she had to fight every day. Yeah. 
did. And it being counterproductive to, I, in my opinion and in our opinion here at this podcast that we'll be producing, that's counterproductive to finding Aubrey, to finding Shorty. Bringing your heart back to a positive place, please. And I apologize to take you anywhere but there. In long, not in short, who was Aubrey Shorty Dameron? Who um, was she in life? In life, she was a dreamer. She was a person who had a, who has a heart of gold. Right. She would try to help anyone. She, you know, she didn't have it. She would find a way to find it or compromise. You know, um, she, she was, she's a beautiful spirit. She, she's, she was always bubbly and, you know, kind of, She'd always prance around, <laughs> dance around. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was, it was very seldom that you didn't see her without her, you know, her hair doing something or her makeup or, you know, dressed in something cute. And uh, she loved jewelry. Mm -hmm. And uh, she, you know, she just, she's just a wonderful, wonderful soul. It seems like we've learned so much about her. And the negative connotations of the things people are assuming and things about the quote-unquote high risk and all the, I'll say it, BS that we're hearing about that. And we aren't hearing about what and who she was in life. And I want yeah. that to be important because when we're looking for someone, we need to know what they do and did. Did she spend most of her time in Grove, Oklahoma? Or did she do what a lot of my native girlfriends do and come out to the big city to Tulsa or go to the club on the weekend or... Yeah, I don't know how, how often she went, but she would go to Joplin or she would come to Tulsa. Right. Um, I believe she's gone to Oklahoma City several times. Mm. Um, yeah, she she kind of liked both, mm. both, you know, the small town and, yeah. you know, going out to have fun and then coming home. Yeah, yeah. Would you call her a homebody or would you call her a social butterfly? Maybe a little better? Def definitely a social butterfly. Yes, yes. I rarely saw a picture of her in sweatpants or saw her. When I saw her out, I loved Christian told us a story about her dancing in sweatpants at the club. And I was thinking, <laughs> are you sure? But now I, 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 I believe, I believe her because of, I believe Christian because of her attitude and her, her, her light that she shined. Uh, yeah. Pam, if you could go back and you had unlimited resources, what could or would you do in this search for Aubrey? Um, well, from the, from the earlier on, I, oh gosh, one of our the search and rescue uh, guys, you know, they informed us that because people were talking about the lake, going to, you know, direct the lake and stuff. We had a, a guy come out and check the ponds around her house, but he said that there was a, uh, a machine. He said, like, they could get to the bottom of the lake. He said, but that machine cost like $150,000. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, that would be one thing. Uh, another would be to... I don't know how, just offer, offer a reward. Maybe somebody would have came, came forward sooner. Right. Right. Um, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I don't sit and think about these things. Um, I understand. My head is constantly thinking about what have we done already? What haven't we done? What did we miss? You know, looking at this person, we miss this person, that person, you know, what, what role did they have? You know, uh, it's, it's the most bizarre thing. It's Christian. I will sit around and talk about about it. it's like you can't make this up. It's yeah. Well, a friend of mine, she uh, she was asking how we were doing, and I said, you know, it's like, it's like a Stephen King movie. And, and I told her, she said, <laughs> you know, jokingly, she said it sounds like a Rob Zombie movie. 
Honey, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I'm so glad you guys are able to find, as us natives often have to, some some humor and some support from friends and things that aren't afraid to, you know, we have to talk the hard talk, if you will, and make sure we keep our spirits up while while also staying realistic about things. Here's a, a question I want you to have some fun with, if you can. What do you think that Aubrey would say if she had a direct voice right now to you, to us, to the people worrying for her, to the people looking for her, to possibly the people that might know something about where she is? What do you think what Aubrey's voice would say today? Oh, wow. Um, The first thing that comes to mind is she would say, don't stop looking for me. And it's sad that you have to think like that. Say that she loves everyone. That's who she is. She, she's just a loving person. It seems like she comes from a place that taught her that very much, Pam. And it seems like you were a great big part of that. Is it all right if I ask you one more question about the future of the investigation and if there's any way we can help and what ways we could help or the people listening to the podcast could come and help to locate Aubrey Shorty Dameron. Yeah, as you know, we've had several searches mm-hmm. um, that has led us from one one town to another, and then back. We're 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 kind of back in the Grove area at this point. Okay. Um, we would. I I can't say. I would say to invite everybody out to a search because at this point, um, the property owners don't want a bunch of people out there. Yes, um, but. I think, you know, we've been trying to raise funds for a reward. Yes. Uh, we had a silent auction, which didn't do good at all. Um, we are having a yard sale. The other girl is holding one in Joplin. Okay, perfect. We have another uh, person that wants to hold a walk, um, you know, to, for, for the walkers to have sponsors to raise money. Yes. Yes, a walkathon type of situation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh, we haven't put that together yet. Just been so busy. Uh, I absolutely, absolutely know how busy you've been. I see how busy you've been online as well as on your feet with Lissa and with everybody in the northeastern Oklahoma area. This is not a small part of the country. It is not a paved road area and things like that. I don't know that the rest of the country might understand yet. Uh My last ask or question from you are some words of encouragement for the others. Unfortunately, the uh, large amount of families that are in the same situation as you, you have been wonderful throughout this as a as an auntie, and you've been a wonderful activist, whether you want to take that name on or not. And um, I think you could give some encouraging words to people. What would those be? I would say to those that, that are now, you know, having to deal with a missing loved one, don't take a law enforcement's word when they say, you know, you have to wait so many hours or days to file a report. You don't. Um, don't let them disregard your family member as because of their lifestyle or because of this and that. Don't stop. I mean, I, I've i been, you know, Christian and I just push and push and push. And, you know, at the beginning, um, the captain there at Delaware County, I spoke with him on March 19th, and he told me that because of Aubrey's lifestyle, that they didn't believe she was a missing person. And he laughed. He has this condescending laugh and mm-hmm. told me, asked me why I thought. I said, well, she can be gullible and naive. And he laughed. He goes, oh, no, honey. He goes, she's, he goes, we believe she knows very well what she's doing. So we don't believe she's a missing person. I said, how can you say that? He said, well, because of her lifestyle. I said, 
what is that? I said, Hold up, back up. I said, what is that? What does that even mean? Well, are you saying that? He said, well, you know, she has. Um, I said, is it because she's transgender? And he goes, oh no, no. He said, her lifestyle. And he said, she's got, you know, 500 of her friends on Facebook or mail. I said, Ann. He said, well, her, you know, we just don't believe she's missing because her lifestyle. We believe she, she knows what she's doing. I said, no. I said, she would not go without being in contact with somebody in the family. He said, well, you know, she's known to use illegal substance. I said, so you're telling me because of her lifestyle, because she's got 500 male friends on Facebook and she's known to use an illegal substance that her life isn't worth searching for. And uh, he raised his voice. He said, I, that's not what I'm saying. I said, that's exactly what you're saying. He said, no, it's not. And we went back and forth. And I said, I said, then why are we having this conversation? And he gets quiet about 30 seconds. And then he says, so I understand you guys are having a search. I said, yes, we are. He goes, well, where are you going to search? I said, well, where would you search? He said, oh, we don't have the resources. No, we know we don't have the resources. I said, of course you don't. You don't have the resources. I said, I get it. I said, but if it was your, one of your men, one of your family members, mm -hmm. you would have God and cre creation out there searching. I, I said, but I get too. it. And okay. uh, he said, I said, but common sense tells me you begin where she was last seen. And during that first, I think it was the first or second search, because we had the first search on March 23rd, and then the second search was on March 30th, the following weekend. On one of those searches, I, I can't remember which one. I want to say it's the first one. Um that one of the search guys called Delaware County, asked them to bring out a, a canine, you know, to run a, a scent dog, I guess, uh, if you will. But they said, why? We're not doing the search. And that's the resistance we've been, de resistance we've been dealing with through this entire ordeal. And you and I met at the end of May, wouldn't it have been when it was getting warm outside in a side situation and then just realized that it was, we were both fighting for the same side. And, yes. um, it was, it was just as urgent then. I want a lot of people that have asked um, in the groups that I've talked to you about talking to and things they had asked, what is the family doing? What have they done? And those answer those questions. You were out there within the you know first couple of weeks. I know that we had the original group together and things like that, running those during the, it was Labor Memorial Day weekend. Um, <clears throat> my last question for you is going to be the hardest one. And that would be that if you could talk to Aubrey or people that know inf information or people that have things that could help our investigation or help us locate her, what would you say to them directly? What would you say to her directly? To the people that, that may knows that know something. I mean, I feel somebody knows something. I mean, she just would not leave and just be gone and not be in contact. Somebody knows something. Somebody knows exactly what happened. I would say to them, imagine if it was your loved one. Imagine if you, it was your child. Imagine it being your sister, your mom, your grandmother, whoever you love the most. Imagine it being them. And imagine you fighting. And would you have the courage to continue to fight? Or would you take the words that law enforcement seem to openly share, you know, that their life isn't worth searching for? And I hope that you have a conscience. And it eats at you every night, every second of every day. That's what I would say to the people that know something. What would you say to Aubrey, Pam? You know, when I first found out she was missing, I would talk to her. I would pray and I would talk to her. And I promised her I would never stop looking for her until we found her. And if I could talk to her right now, I mean, I, I can. Baby girl, we're not going to give up. We will bring you home. Thank you so much, Pam. Thank you for these last few months and being an encouragement right back to me whenever I try to check on you and cooling me off with a fan in the summertime. And You're just being a funny, wonderful native woman and an auntie to me now, whether you like it or not. Thank you. 
gets louder. You can contact the podcast at brokebrokenpodcast at gmail.com. The Broken Broken Podcast can be found online at www.brokebrokenpodcast.com, on Twitter at Broke Broken Show, on Instagram and Facebook at Broke Broken Podcast. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube.